You are listening to a broadcast of Dublin First Baptist Church, Pastor Cameron McGill in Dublin, North Carolina. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist Church and the Lake Church to hear from God's Word. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you, Dublin First Baptist. Uh, I want to say a a word of appreciation to you as a congregation. We first met back in February, I believe. You guys didn't know what would be happening, and neither did I at the time, as far as the director of missions position is concerned. And then we met again around Valentine's Day when Beth and I came and had an opportunity to to fellowship with you at the um, Camo and Lace, I believe was the name of the thing, and we had a chance to play with a plunger and you know we enjoyed that and you guys didn't know us when what we would be doing then and I don't think at that point neither did we but uh, ever since we've been to this area and each time we've had a chance to come uh, to fellowship with with you uh, God's children it's been a blessing we've been we've been welcomed and we feel welcomed and we thank you for that Um, coming to a new place is not easy but uh, God has been in this whole process from the beginning and we uh, we look forward to what God has in store for us um, as a family us as a family of God and us as an association. Thank you, choir, for that song of, of a hope about what our future holds and, and just the tremendous view of what we'll be able to see and, and walk on the streets of gold and run where the angels have been able to, to try. That's a tremendous thing. That's, a, that's a, great, a great hope for the future. And so many times, I believe, in our Christian life, we just always think about heaven. And heaven is something we need to think about because that's where we're going to spend our eternity. But we need not forget what's here. Um, and, and live a life here that will be worthy of heaven, heaven on earth. And at least thank you for that song. Just reminds us where she go. <laughs> Disappear. Anyway, thank you for that song um, because it reminds us of the fact that that here in this world we have struggles. Things are hard and and things are difficult. But in the midst of all those difficulties, in the midst of all the struggles that we will face. We can be at peace. We can have a presence with us that God gives us, God with us, and can help us through those tough times. So I want you to turn your Bibles uh, as we do con- continue that series on it. it is well, but also the question is, is it well? Do you have the opportunity and you are, are you able to say today, it is well with my soul? That my life, as I look at the situation around me, I can say it is. Is well. Romans chapter 8, we're looking at verses 1 through 8. And also, I want you to take your hymnals and turn to that song that we just sang for the 447. It is well. Because I'm going to refer to to verse 2 and verse 3, because those verses are powerful verses. Um, Good theology in those verses, and I believe the verses that we should apply to our life. Last week, um, as Cameron looked at the, the need for commitment to wellness, we've got to desire it. The first step is knowing that you need it. And once you realize you need it, um, desire it, and then develop it, and then enjoy in it. Be able to delight in the things that you've um, had as you go through your wellness. But today we're going to look at verses 2 and verse 3 in that verse. Let me have a hymn. Somebody got their hymn? Let me borrow that just a second. Because I want us to read that, um, what, that what those verses say. Verse 2, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come. How many of you have trials? 
How many of you feel like Satan is constantly attacking you? Okay. Well, we shouldn't be surprised by that, but so often we are. But Satan does fight against us. Though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. Verse 3 tells us how that's possible. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the what? Whole. Is nailed to the cross and I bear it. Huh? No more. No more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Do those verses ring true in your life? Can you, can you say in your, in your life that in the midst of the struggles and the trials and the hardships and the, the fact that life is tough, that you can trust in the Lord because of the cross? The cross of Jesus Christ is what has made that possible for us. That is how we have been consecrated. That's how we have been made right with God. The only way that we can get to the heaven that the choir sang about, into that Jerusalem, is to be in a right relationship with the Father. Because there is no sin in heaven. There is no impurity in heaven. And the only ones that can be in that place called the New Jerusalem is to be clean and pure. And the only way that we can become clean and pure is through the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our atonement. And I'm sure you've heard before what atonement means is that we are at one with God. That we are in a right relationship with the Father. And we can only be at one with God through the cross of Christ that is our atonement. That's given to us the opportunity for us to be able to say, It is well with my soul. No matter what the situation is, I know that Christ has taken away my sin. And I bear that sin no more. Listen to how 1 John 1, 9 says it. If we confess with our mouth, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all what? Unrighteousness. Just some unrighteousness? No, all unrighteousness. So He is our consecration. So today I want you to consider your current situation, your current place in life, in your, in your relationship with Christ. Can you say that you are at one with God? Right here, Sunday morning, in this pew, can you say that you are at one with God and there's peace in the midst of that relationship with you and God? So let's look at that second verse. It's, it's important, I mentioned that before, that we almost never forget that we are in a battle. You know, I believe that so many times in our life, especially in a place that, that is considered kind of a resort area or a leisure place, that we, we begin to think life is a playground. Is life a playground? We want it to be a playground, but the truth is, from what that second verse tells us in that hymn, that Satan is always fighting us. Life is a battleground, not a playground. Tell your neighbor, life is a battleground, not a playground. Now, tell them in a way that, that you're trying to convince them, because I'm not sure that you're convinced of that. Life is a battleground, it's not a playground. Because what happens when we believe that life is a playground then we get out there in life and we're enjoying things and we're, we're all excited about what we have in our life. And what Satan's doing is he's waiting for the first opportunity to sneak up on you and blow you up. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to blow you up, to destroy you. And when you and I believe that life is a playground and it's for our enjoyment 
and that we're not involved in battles against the principalities in the dark parts of this world, we will be easily sneaked up on. Is that good English? Nah, good. But Satan comes up and he will surprise us. And if you're not ready for the battle, then you'll probably lose. So it's important that we recognize the fact that we need to battle our armor up and get ready for the battle so Satan will not surprise us. So how, do we, how are we able to persevere and stand firm in the midst of the battle? Verse 2 said that, that we can have this blessed assurance and let the blessed assurance control. What blessed assurance is that? That Christ has taken our place, that He has given us the power. We are overcomers. Whenever you're on the battleground and Satan's fighting against you and you feel like you're just about ready to fail or falter because the battle is lasting so long and you're tired and you just want to give up and just throw in the towel, you can say to him, Satan, I am an overcomer because my commander has already overcome. And because Jesus has overcome through the cross and the empty tomb, we are overcomers. So as you're out there on the battleground and Satan fights against you, when he sneaks up on you or when he comes at you full assault, front, front assault, say to him, I am an overcomer because of the one who overcame you and overcame for me. Do you have that kind of assurance today? Can you, can you say that you have a blessed assurance that controls your life, that even in the midst of the battles, you can persevere? See, that's what that song teaches us. That's what the scripture teaches us. And tells us, Romans 8, verses 1 through 8. Would you stand as I read? As I read God's Word. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. Maybe different from what you have, but God's truth is the same. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live in according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. There's that is it well, it is well. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You can be seated. We're going to look at, at what the law is about the law. And Paul has a lot to say about the law. And, and we need to confront two fallacies as it comes to the law. First is legalism. That if I, if I just follow the law, I, that there's a law and it's there for us to follow. And when we follow that law, we have a right relationship with God. That the law is what um, saves us. But listen, the law does not save. The law never was designed to save The only purpose of the law was to condemn. The purpose of the law was to show us when we stepped outside of God's plan, when we've sinned. Now, that's a word that folks don't like to hear too much about today, and they don't like to say, they don't like to 
apply that situation to their life. But sin is something that we all deal with and battle with. And that's what we need to recognize, the fact. The law shows us when we have walked outside of God's plan. The weakness of the law is that it can't save us. It only condemns us. I, I love the commercial from LifeLock. And you may not even recognize the, the name of the advertisement or what it's for. But there are several of those. And the one that I like is when the man's in the dentist's chair and he's got that little thing in his mouth and his mouth's wide open and the, the man's above him with a probe checking his teeth and he says, Tom, you have about the worst cavity I think I've ever seen. And his assistant says to him, want to go to lunch? And he says, yeah. So they turn to leave and the man mumbles as best he can with the big thing in his mouth saying, wait, aren't you going to fix it? And what does the man say? Oh, I'm not a dentist. I'm a dental monitor. I just tell you when you have a cavity, I can't fix it. That's the law. That's what the law is. The law is not something that fixes us. It monitors us. It lets us know when there's a problem. And the weakness of the law is the fact that the law cannot save. Now, the wrongness of the law is that we think that I can live my life good enough if I follow the law to be in a right relationship with God. If I just live a good life, if I'm just a good person, have you ever heard somebody say, well, I'm a pretty good person? Or have you ever said about someone else, well, they're a pretty good person? Is that really true? In God's perspective, is that true? Are we good? Is anything about us good? And even our goodness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags before God. So, some of you kind of have responded to your neighbor. I want you to tell your neighbor... You might be good. But you're not good enough. No matter what you do, no matter how good you are, and the choir is having fun with this. I think some of you enjoy telling the person beside you they're not quite good enough. It's true. I've heard folks say, well, they're a good Christian. Our goodness is only found in Christ. And when we try to, 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 to live a life based on a law, to be good enough, we, we put aside the grace of Jesus Christ. And, and we can never do that. Because what happens when we try to do that and we try to make it about ourselves, then the truth found in Ephesians 2, 8, 9 just goes away. But it says, but by grace you're saved through faith. Not of yourselves, lest anyone should boast. Our faith is in Christ Jesus. And if it was about me, if it was about how good I could be to earn my relationship with Christ or earn my way into that city of gold, that new, that new Jerusalem, then it would be something I could brag about. Well, look how good I've been. And you're not going there because you're not as good as me. But that is not true. It's all about the grace of Jesus Christ. We are able to go to that new city, that new Jerusalem, because of the grace of Christ and what He did for us on the cross. Now, there's a liberty that we need to, to address also as a fallacy within the, the whole law thing because sometimes people say, well, God's grace is sufficient to cover my sin. And the thought is, well, if, if my sins have been forgiven and I'm clean and I'm going to spend eternity in that new Jerusalem, then I can live like I want to live here and God will forgive me. Is, is that a good thought? 
Is that a true thought? It's a reality, but it's not true. You see, we take the liberty of our freedom and we abuse it. We say, God's forgiven me through the grace of Christ and His death on the cross, so I can live like I want to live. I can do the things I want to do, and God will understand me because my sin has been covered through the grace of, and the cross of Christ. Now, Paul in Romans uses the strongest negative in the Greek that ever uses. And, and he says, may it never be. It's meginoita. May it never be. Absolutely not. You are not to abuse the freedom you have in Christ by living your life like you want to live it. But you live your life for the righteousness of Christ so that Christ's glory can be seen in you. Now here's the problem, I believe, that we don't completely realize just how bad we are and what we have been freed from. Now I want you to do a little exercise with me, if you will. I don't mean get up and move around, but just think. A mental exercise. I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine right in front of you is a large barrel. Okay, everybody just picture this large barrel right in front of you. Now I want you to get in the barrel. Okay, so everybody step into the barrel. Now, this barrel is sin. Okay, and the barrel's not empty. You're in the barrel, but you're not the only thing in the barrel. Whatever is in the barrel is really kind of up to you. So I want you to imagine, as you're standing in this barrel called sin, that it's filled to the brim. And when you stepped in, it was so full it just kind of spilled over the sides. Now what's in here is whatever you can imagine that is the most absolutely disgusting liquid stuff that's in there. Fish heads, those little mosquito larvae that swim around on the stagnant water, maybe a teenage boy's tennis shoe, maybe an old dead skunk carcass floating around inside there. You think of the most disgusting, nasty, filthiest thing you can imagine, and that's what's inside that barrel. And you're standing in it. Now, I want you to squat down till your chin just touches the top of that liquid. Can you imagine that? Can you smell it? Can you feel the sliminess on your body? It's disgusting. Now, with your mouth open, a little farther. Let it in. That's right. Sickening. Disgusting. It's inside you. Now, don't you go all the way under. Completely covered by it. Take your hands and wash around in your hair or your head. Get all in. Yeah, it made me shiver too, just, just thinking about that. Can you imagine? That's sin. The filthiest, disgusting, nastiest thing you can imagine. And you're in it. And it's all in you. The law is helpless to get you out of that. You yourself 
cannot get out of that. Because you're covered in it. And you're stuck in it. And you're bound by it. You are a prisoner to it. And you can't get out. But through Jesus Christ, you have the ability to step out. And now what happens is that when you, when you recognize that you're in that filth, and you don't want to live in this because the truth is, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So every one of you, whether you imagine or not, at one time in your life, if you didn't, until you accepted Christ, were in that kind of filth. It's where you were, you were stuck. Now, Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is what? Death. If you stay in that bucket of filth, you'll die. Separated from God. No chance to spend eternity in that Jerusalem. Do you want out? Do you recognize just how nasty that is? And how filthy that is? Do you want out? When you recognize you want it out, you call upon Jesus when you believe that he did what he said he was going to do. He came and died on the cross, took your place. You see, Jesus comes and he takes you by the hand and helps you out and he gets in it. Because, see, the Bible says that he took on our sin. That song we just sang. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in what? Part, but the whole. He didn't just lift us up to our waist deep in that filth. He didn't lift us up till we just had one leg still in the filth. He got us what? Out of it completely. All of that sin. And when he did that, he helped us out. And he put on us, he cleaned us up, and he put on us new clothes. A few years ago, I went to the Bertie Correctional Center. Um, guy from our church had spent some time in prison. I visited him over those months and a couple years and the day came that he was to be freed and I went to the prison to pick him up I went through the different gates and I had to go through all the uh, security scans and all that comes with it and I, I kind of felt even just for those moments that I was in that in that facility a, a prisoner and this guy had been living in there for several months and when we walked out that last gate of freedom or to freedom, I, I thought he would fall down on his knees and kiss the ground because that's kind of what I wanted to do, and I'd only been there a few minutes. And, and I, said, I said, Justin, I said, man, how does it feel to be free? And he said, man, it's great. I'm never going back there again. It's kind of nonchalant. When you're free from that filth of sin, can you imagine getting back in the barrel? Can you imagine you're clean, you've got on clean clothes, and you get back in the barrel? Why would we get back into that which had us bound in the first place? You see, we cannot take our grace of Christ with too much liberty. That I can live in the barrel of filth and God still accepts me. That I can, that I can choose to go back there and spend a weekend in that and God still understands even though he has cleansed us from sin and we bear it no more, we still make the choice and can make the choice to go back and get dirty again. You've been outside working in your yard and you're hot and you're wet and you go in and you, you, you take off your clothes and you take a shower and you get clean. Would you put those dirty clothes back on? Why do we do it in our Christian life? 
We are clean and yet we put on that filth again. We need to be careful and celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ has died completely for us and we are truly, truly free. And Christ did that for us. When he died on the cross and he said the words, it is finished. He meant that. What was finished was the fact that he has redeemed us. He has proclaimed us clean, those in Christ. And if we have a relationship with Jesus, we are free and we are free indeed. And we need not go back to that because Jesus Christ will not die again for us. We've been clean. It is finished. He's proclaimed it. He's the one that provides us that. Remember the story in the Old Testament where God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want, to take your, I want you to take your son Isaac, your only son Isaac, and do what? And sacrifice him in a place that I'll tell you. So Abraham and his servants, they gather up the wood and they go to this place that God would show him. And as Abraham and his son Isaac, his only son Isaac, went up the mountain to sacrifice, remember Isaac said, Father, we have the wood for the sacrifice, but where's the lamb? And what did his father say to him? God will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. God did provide the lamb. His name is Jesus. And he walked up that hill called Calvary and was nailed to a cross and carried your sin. All of our sin was laid on him so that our sin could be taken away. He has taken our place. He is the one that's our provided intercessor. It's only through the name of Christ that we have redemption. It only comes through him. John said when he saw Jesus coming as he came to be baptized, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away what? The sin of the world. That's who Christ is. Jesus is the one that provides that for us. So when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, it is, we become justified. And what that word means is it's just as I, if I had never sinned. When I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, it's just as if I had never been in that barrel. Now isn't that a good thought? That Jesus cleans us so completely that it is as if we were never in that filth. I believe if we understood how bad we were and how clean we now are in Christ, we would live a life to His glory. We would stay away from the things that will discredit Him and the cross and will live for Christ. Now, when I was working in Word documents and things, and I come to a place and I'm proofreading a, a, a letter that I've written or something, and I find something that I don't like and doesn't seem to fit, what do I do? I hit my key and I highlight that, and then I hit my what? Delete key, and what happens? Gone. It's gone. That's what Christ did for us. That sin in our life is as far as the east is from the west. It's gone. Let us live like that's true. Let us live like we have that kind of uh, uh, tremendous grace and favor in our life. But listen, that grace is unmerited. You don't deserve it. There's nothing you've done that deserves you getting out of that barrel of filth. In fact, you deserve to stay in it. It's unmerited. You don't deserve it. It's also unlimited. There is no sin that is so great that God can't forgive. 
No sin. There's nothing you've ever done that God can't come to you and say, let me help you out of that. Let me clean you up completely and put on some new clothes and take that sin from you. It's unconditional. John 3.16, we know that verse well. Does it, does it qualify who can be saved? There's a word in there that says, whosoever. That's anyone. Anyone can be saved. There's where we find that wellness. There's where we find peace in Christ and what He's done for us on the cross. We find that in redemption, that God is with us. Remember the Old Testament story of the three Hebrew boys that were, were commanded by that pride-filled king to bow down before his statue whenever the music's played? And if you don't do this, if you don't bow down before me, I'm going to throw you where? Fiery furnace. So the music plays, and what do the three teenage boys do? Did they bow down? No. And before that, they said, Oh, king, let me tell you this. No matter what happens to us, we know that God is with us. We trust in Him. He is able to deliver us, but even if He doesn't, oh, King, know this, we will not bow down to you. That's peace. They had the kind of peace that, that this song sings about and this verse talks about. Do you have that kind of peace? Can you stand up before the Lord and up before the, the, the battles that brings that Satan brings and say, I'm at peace, and no matter what happens to my life, I'm going to live my life for God. So, child of God, because of the cross of Christ, you are free. There's no condemnation. There's no separation. You are joint heirs with Jesus. You have everything that Jesus has in heaven and on earth. And you've got the, through that, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have been rescued from the barrel of filth. Are you going to get back in it? Do you want to get back in it or do you want to stay clean? What is your response to what Jesus has done for us? Is it to come on Sunday morning and sit in a pew with your arms crossed and a sad look on your face? Is it? You have been freed from that barrel of filth. And, and so many times, I, I've been in ministry for 30 years, and I have seen so many Christians, they look like sad sack, gloomy gusses and gussets. Do you know any? Look at your neighbor. Do they look like a gloomy Gus or a Gusset? I'm, I, I don't know some of you. I see some smiles. I see some that are kind of gloomy looking. If Jesus Christ has saved you from that barrel of filth, should we not celebrate and give Him praise and let that be seen in us? This world needs to see some enthusiastic excited, happy, content, joyful children of God. This world needs to see a light shining out from us that they will be drawn to because they need to be transformed with the power that transformed us. So let me ask you, is it well with your soul today in this place? Is it well? Do you live out your life in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Now, I know that if, if I heard a pastor ask me that, I would, I would probably just kind of butt my coat and say, well, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. 
So in order for us to be honest, again, I want you just to look at your neighbor. Now, as you look at your neighbor, that means somebody's looking at you. Okay? Do they see, as they look into your face, do they see a person who they could say, man, it's well with that person. I see Christ in that person's life. I see Jesus shining through that person. Now, when you look at somebody else and you reckon somebody's looking at you, you they're going to be honest with you. So when you look at the person beside you, can you say to that person, you know, just in your mind, that person, they're a child of God because I see Christ shining through them. They're a person that I see that goes through battles and struggles and Satan buffets and they have these hardships, but yet they... they Remind me of the three teenage boys in the Old Testament. They stand firm and they trust in God. It's time for this world to see Christians who actually represent Christ. We are called to be His ambassadors. We are called to represent the kingdom of heaven here on earth so people can be drawn to that. Are you, are you a person that's attra- that attracts those that are lost because of your joy in Christ. You see, that's available to us. When we can say in our life that it is well, then that's what will happen. Please hear me. It is time for Christians to make a difference in this world. It's time for us to be more than a fan. It is time for us to be more than a fan of Christ. It is time for the children of God to become followers of Christ. Yesterday, Beth and I went to the... uh, water festival and we were sitting down having our barbecue breakfast from the fire department and, and met peewee i don't know if some of you may know peewee he's in the rescue fire and rescue in that area and and peewee began to tell stories of of his first responding and 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 as i listened to him talk about the stories of the people that he had gone and and with the other help of the others in the fire department how they had rescued and attempted to do what they could to save lives as a first responder, I thought, you know, that's what this world needs us to be. Christian, this world needs us to be first responders. There are people that are dying out there. And we sometimes get content to sit in a pew and have our hours worth of service on Sunday morning and then go our way, live like we want to during the week and come back and think it's okay and God understands. There are folks out there that need our touch they need our attention they need to be rescued they're in a barrel of filth and they can't get out and there's no one in the world from a world point of view that can get them out we have the message we have the one that can take them by the hand and get them out and clean them up and put on new clothes on them we need to be first responders to this world that's dying and being separated from Christ I know Dublin Baptist Church is a strong church I know you've got folks in this congregation that believe in ministry and service. I know you've got people in this church that are first responders. But the truth is, it's not just enough for a few in a church to be that way. It's got to be all. If you're in Christ, we have to be all in to Him. We don't sit on the sidelines and cheer on the others that are out there on the playground. We've got, on the battleground, we've got to be out there with them. Armored up with our sword of truth fighting the enemy because we need each other and as a a director of missions one of the things that I need is I need the churches 
to come together to, to be my strength and my support. To, to fight the battles that are out there, and they're, and they're strong. So this morning, I want you to ask yourself as we get ready for our hymn of decision, is it well? Are you at peace with your relationship with Christ? Do you know that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross? Are you confident that if you died right now today, that you would spend your eternity in heaven with Christ? Do you know that? If you don't know that, you need to come this morning and get that right, make that right with God. If you've made that decision and you've been baptized in some water or the pool here or some other baptism in the pool, you ask yourself, am I where God wants me to be? Am I being the ambassador God wants me to be? Am I a first responder to those that are in need and they're dying out in that world? If you are not and you feel God leading you, you come and pray. I don't know how Cameron usually does an invitation, but this altar is open for anyone who wants to come and pray. I'll be at the front. Maybe the staff will be at front if they want to, to stand with you and pray. If you want to pray that God helps you to become a first responder and that you live a life that is joyful and praise to the Lord in celebration, then you come and talk to God about that. And I know from experience that He'll empower you to that which you desire. If you desire wellness and if you desire to be a light for the glory of God, you come and God will make that happen. Let's stand together, I guess.